Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. find ways that we can be close to you, to draw in and listen to your words for us. So God, as we gather, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So today we are starting a a new series for the next four weeks, and the series is based around a question that that Jesus asked his disciples in, in, in the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now, we're not going to focus all on Jesus for these, well, but let, me, let me rephrase that. We are going to be focusing on Jesus over the next four weeks, but and, and beyond, I'll just keep going. Um, <clears throat> but each series, we're, each sermon, we're going to take a different aspect to look at this question. Today, we're going to talk about who is Christ, and I know that that can be something that we can spread out into like a six or a seven or an eight-week sermon series. But next week, we're going to take a look at who is the church. And then we're going we're gonna to break that down even a little bit more. We're going to talk about who are the older adults in our church and then finish with who are our, our young adults and who are our youth. And how do we combine all of that together to be one cohesive unit that is, that is working forward and, and moving towards the opportunity to be an expression of, of Christ's love for each other, and for the world. But today we're, we're, we're really going to pinpoint in on, on the scripture that we have from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16, and really look at what was Jesus talking about when he asked his disciples this particular question. So I invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, to open up to Matthew chapter 12, verses 13 through 16, and if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, the words will be printed up on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, to give a little background about what's happening in this particular uh, scripture, Jesus has, has taken the disciples away from the Sea of Galilee out to the coast 
of the Mediterranean Sea. It was about a a two-day walk for them to get to this particular location. I think Jesus took them out to this location because he wanted to get a point across to them. Caesarea Philippi was a, a place that was established by, by King Herod to pay honor to Caesar, to pay honor to the Roman government that was uh, in charge of that particular area. So there were a lot of things giving honor and glory to the, the Roman uh, government that was in charge of the Israel, Israelite area. There was a temple that was built around Caesarea Philippi to uh, honor Caesar. So when Jesus is taking his disciples away from the Sea of Galilee, away from where all the miracles and all the presence of God was being, uh, being shown to those around them and taken about here, he was going into a, a difficult place. He was going to a place where people were saying, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is in charge of everything, and this leads to Jesus's question to ask his followers, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, Son of Man, this is a a, a scripture or a a title that you may may have heard throughout all of scriptures in the Synoptic Gospels or in all of four Gospels, the phrase Son of Man is repeated about 80 times. And a lot of those times, Jesus is explaining and and giving his disciples and those who are listening to Jesus' teachings uh, understanding exactly who the Son of Man is. If we go back to the Old Testament, we can see that that phrase is used over and over again, especially in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, we see time and time again where it talks about the Son of Man. So what that phrase really means, it's talking about how you're just human, a a, a human being or or, or a human person. But when Jesus starts using the phrase Son of Man, he he puts a, a twist on it, and it means something just a little bit more. When Jesus refers to himself being the Son of Man, he's referring to a passage in the book of Daniel, the the seventh chapter in verse 14, where Daniel gives us a definition of what the Son of Man is all about. In that passage, we hear that he was given authority, or that the Son of Man was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So the Son of Man is elevated in Daniel. And you can see how this could start to cause some trouble especially in a city like Caesarea Philippi, where we hear the call that Caesar is Lord. And Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? The questions, the answers start to come. Well, some people say that you're, you're John the Baptist. Others people say that you're Elijah. Others people say that you're Jeremiah, and all of these are are great and, and worthwhile people. You know, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to come. Elijah was was lifted up as as one of the high prophets of of the Israelite people. 
Jeremiah was one that, that went and he foretold warnings to the Israelites' people. And it's also said that he took the Ark of the Covenant and other things from the temple and hid them in a mountain. So when the time for the kingdom to be restored, Jeremiah would come back and return those things to the temple. So what the people around the disciples were saying is that Jesus is a good guy. He does good things. You know, he, he, he's kind of up there with, like, the prophets. He, he, he does miracles. He does healings. All of this is great. But Jesus then gets to the point of his question. He no longer is worried or, or caring about what people on the outside are thinking about who he is. But Jesus asked the disciples, how about you? Who do you say that I am? That changes the question, doesn't it? It's, it's no longer, or, or what does other people think of me, or, or what do other people think who I am, but, but who, who do you, you personally, who do you say that I am? And then Peter gives us the answer, and, and this is called Peter's Great Confession where he comes out and he says that you, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this story appears, and in Mark, I believe the answer is, is more of a, a succinct answer where, where, where Peter says, well, you're the Messiah. And in, in Luke there is more of a, a, a dignified or, or, or full answer of who Jesus is, being Messiah, the, the Savior of the world. Can you see how that can change the balance of things, especially in a city called Caesarea Philippi, where we're supposed to hold up Caesar as the Lord and the Messiah, the one that we, we pray to, the one that we bow down to, is saying now we have this, this Jesus who is the Messiah, this Jesus that, that we hold up to, this, this Jesus that we, that we pray to, that we bow down to, that we know holds us in his care. See, what, what, what Peter is saying is a reminder that what Jesus has done is more than just become a, a, a savior to us, but, but with him being Messiah, he holds the entire world in his hands. See, there was a problem in, in the Jewish culture and in our culture too as, as, as followers of Christ. We know that the very beginning of the story in Genesis chapter 1, we see this, this beautiful creation that, that God has created. But then if we get to the second chapter, we notice that things aren't quite as good as we want them to be. Adam and Eve, they, they get tempted and they, and they turn and they, they, they eat from the forbidden tree and they become fallen. But the church has taken that part of the story and elevated it and forgot about the first part of the story, the, this beautiful creation that God has made that what the Messiah was created to restore. 
And with Jesus coming to restore this part, it lifts up that Jesus comes not just to save us from our sins, but Jesus comes to restore us even here and now. So then, as Christ, as our Messiah, we then lift each other up, and we then become sons and daughters of God, a partnership with God, and bring in that restoration that we pray in the Lord's Prayer every Sunday, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So where does that leave us today? Well, it leads us with a question that we have to answer. And that question is, who do we say Jesus is? Do we, do we take a look at Jesus as somebody that has done great things here or there and, and has some great moral teachings that we can lean upon? Do we take a look at Jesus Christ as, as Christ just being Jesus' last name? Or do we take that title of Christ, that title of Messiah, and we say everything in our lives is going to revolve around this. Everything that we do, everything that we say is going to be a way of lifting up the Messiah in our lives so that others may come and see who Christ is. See, we forget that when Jesus came, it, it was the culmination of the work of God. It, it was the culmination to say that now we all can take part in, in what God has created for us. Now we can be a part of this great love and mercy and grace and be able to share that with everyone. And that's what I love about this table this table that allows us to see God's grace and mercy, this table that reminds us that while we have fallen away, that our Messiah still beckons us. When we partake of the bread and we drink the cup, we are stating more than that Jesus is a good idea. We are stating that Jesus is a way of life. For us. So my hope and my prayer is that as we continue to grow in our faith and as we come to this table, we say to ourselves, you know, I lift up my hands to receive the bread. And when I put, dip it into the cup, I am stating more than Jesus has, has given me ideas to live by. But that Jesus is the one who gives me life and life abundantly and I will follow him. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us your grace and mercy. And while we proclaim the name of Christ in our lives, sometimes our lives don't match up with what we say. So God, help us as, as we come to this table, as we come forward and we lift up our hands to you. Guide us and lead us so that our actions, our words, our thoughts align with your thoughts and our ways become your ways. So God, we pray a blessing over this holy meal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.